I don't know if you could hear me hit that high note with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was a blessing. Praise the Lord for that. All right, we are still in our Missions Emphasis Month, and uh, with that, uh, we are going to continue just looking at uh, the importance of missions, the importance of missions, and for us to really recognize the great value of the cause, you have to see it from the other side. And this morning in this passage of Scripture, we caught a glimpse of the other side of the mission of sharing the gospel. You see, for those that are saved, we can look at it from our side, and it's all good. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. When I die, I take my last breath here, my next breath is going to be in heaven. I pass from life to life. The believer doesn't die. But those that are without Christ, they go from death to death. God puts it that you are condemned already. You see, when a person does not have Christ as their Savior, they don't have to be, they don't have to wait to die to get that judgment. It's already been passed. And the only thing that will change that eternal destiny is by coming to a place where they put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we look at the scripture and this passage of, uh, that we looked at this morning with Lazarus and the rich man, we see the other side uh, we see one in heaven, uh, and we see the other going to a place of torment. And so as we look at that, we're going to look at the, the side of death, the side of hell this morning. And I pray that it would help each of us really, truly grab a, a hold of this thing called missions. Because if we don't grab a hold of it, we won't care. If we don't grab a hold of it, then why would we support a missionary to go around the world? Why would we sacrifice to give? Why would we grab gospel tracts ourselves and go out and share the gospel with somebody? Why would we uh, have an event like Trunk or Treat and uh, reach out into the community and spend the money and the manpower? Why would we be a part of that? If missions is not real, there's no purpose in it. But just like there is a real place called heaven, there's a real place called hell. And since there is a real place called hell, we need to grab a hold of it so we can see the other side. And this morning, I want to preach to you on the subject, a prayer from hell. A prayer from hell. 
And let's pray. Father, I do pray that you would help us this morning. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the insight that is here. And I pray that each and every one of us would be challenged and motivated uh, for those that are saved and have already uh, chosen you as their personal savior. I pray that they would see their part in this plan uh, of salvation. For those that are here this morning and they, they have never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I pray today that their eternal destiny would be changed and transformed and that you would save them today. So work now in this message. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. So here, when we look at it, uh, we, we, have we ever considered that those that are in hell are in a constant state of torment? The people who have died without Christ up to this point they are still in a place of torment. They are still in a place called hell. And that will never change. There is no place called purgatory. There is no prayer. There is no offering that you could give to, to bring somebody from an eternal damnation into heaven. Uh, that, is, that is not in the Bible. You won't find it anywhere. Uh, but there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell. And Jesus said in John 14, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one way to heaven. It's not a Baptist way. It's not a. Uh, it's not a. Uh, it's not a uh, religious way. There is only one way, and it is through Jesus Christ, uh, the only way of salvation. And for the saved, uh, the place that we look forward to, we have eternal life. For the unsaved, they have eternal death. Uh, and all of us are eternal. We will live somewhere forever. People say, well, you know, when I get die, I'm just going to become dirt. No, that might be what you think, but that's not what the Bible tells us. We have been created. We have been born with a never dying soul. And we will spend eternity somewhere. And I'm thankful that there is a God in heaven. Uh, the Lord said in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, why? That whosoever believeth in him should, should not perish, but have everlasting life. He wants everybody to have everlasting life. God is not a hateful God. Uh, the Bible tells us that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. If man goes to hell, they will be an intruder. It was meant for the devil and his angels. But when man sinned, we see that condemnation. John three eighteen: He that believeth not on or believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already, uh, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Uh, John five twenty four. Very Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath 
everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but shall pass from death unto life. Uh, John 3 and verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And so we just see that there is a wonderful Savior that has provided this place called heaven. He has provided salvation so we don't have to pay for our own sin debt, because every one of us are guilty. The only difference is one has salvation and the other does not. One who has put their faith in Christ, they are still a sinner, but now that condemnation has been paid for. That debt has been paid for. And Jesus Christ is the only one that could pay that sin debt. And he paid it for you and for me. And if you're saved this morning, you should just be rejoicing that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, you have been, someone shared the good news of the gospel with you. And this morning, as they were singing about, uh, we preach Christ, uh, I'm sitting up here getting teary-eyed because the reason uh, that I'm here this morning is because somebody preached Christ to me and I got saved. And I'm thankful, and now I have the opportunity to share that with somebody else. But in our text, we have an account of a man by the name of Lazarus. Lazarus was a poor man. He was a beggar. Not only was he a beggar, he was a person that had poor health. The Bible says that the dogs came and licked his sores. He did not have the resources, the wherewithal to, to have medical attention, to get the help that he needed. And so he would sit outside the gates uh, of the rich man's house, just desiring to get the crumbs. He had nothing, but he was saved. You know what? If you're saved this morning... You might look at your material possessions and, and look at them like you have nothing, but let me tell you, you have everything. You have everything. But this rich man, he had all the wealth. He had, the, he had everything that this world could offer. But this man did not have Christ. He did not have his sins forgiven. He was condemned to a place called hell. And when he died, he lost everything. He lost everything. So for the saved, when we die, we gain everything. For the lost, they lose everything. Now, let me be clear this morning. This man did not go to hell because he was rich. And Lazarus did not go to heaven because he was poor. But I'll promise you that the people that are more receptive to the gospel are people that have little. Because they know that they have needs. When I was in Bible college, we go into the projects. And as we go into the different projects and you ask somebody if they were a sinner. Oh, yeah. And they'd start naming them. <laughs> it's like, oh, la, la, la. I don't want to hear this. You know, uh, some of them would go too graphic. It's like, whoa. Uh, they, had, they had no problem recognizing that they were a sinner. 
They had no problem realizing that they knew that they deserved to go to hell. But you go into a rich, affluent area, no, I have need of nothing. They, they feel like they have everything. And the rich can go to heaven and the poor can go to heaven and both of them also can reject the Savior and go to hell. But here we see this uh, passage uh, in Luke chapter 12. Look again with me at verse number 16. Uh, Luke 12, verse 16. The Bible says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man uh, brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pour down my, pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? Matthew 10 tells us, He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth my, his life for my sake in the gospel shall find it. And so uh, we find here that this this rich man, uh, this nameless rich man, was was in hell, and he thought he had need of nothing. He probably thought he was good. He probably thought he had it all under control, but he did not. And the moment that he died, he recognized his error. You know what's sad about anybody going to hell? is that forever they will remember the opportunities that they had to get saved. If you're here this morning and you've not accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you will remember this message. You will remember the opportunities that you had to accept Christ and had rejected him. There was a memory that Lazarus, or this rich man, had, uh, and he could, he could see back uh, what opportunities that he had. So I want you to see uh, the prayer from hell, a prayer from hell. And those that are in hell, they pray. Those that are in hell pray. You know why? Because they know they have a need. And this, this rich man, he is in hell. And let's look at this prayer. Uh, Luke 16, verse 22, it says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And we see, first of all, that he had a prayer for mercy. He had a prayer for mercy. He knew that he was guilty before God. Mercy can only be given by the, two, by the one that has been offended. And when we sin, we have offended God. When we sin, we have, we have affronted God. We have disobeyed God. And now this man who is in a place called hell, he is in torment and he is praying for mercy. But his opportunity to receive mercy is past. It's too late now 
to do anything about it. This prayer for mercy is not going to get this rich man out of hell and into heaven. This prayer for mercy is not going to to allow that torment to be be lessened. He is asking that, that God would send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool his tongue. Two drips. That's not, much, that's not much comfort. If all we had was just a little bit of water, that would not be enough. But this man here, he was praying for mercy. Why is it important for us to realize that we need to be a part of missions? You know why? Because there are people that are going to go to a devil's hell, and they are going to spend an eternity in torment. Uh, and the mercy that they are going to desire is not going to be available. There are people that we rub shoulders with that are going to spend an eternity in a devil's hell. Uh, We need to be a part uh, of missions. Not only do we need to give to missions so others can go around the world, we need to be a part of the mission, uh, part of getting the gospel out to the, the world that God has put us in, your world, your sphere of influence. Teenagers, the, the kids that you go to school with, you need to be a witness to them. I remember after I got saved and went back into the public school, I was in ninth grade, and I, I took gospel tracts with me to school. Uh, there were uh, gospel tracts, they were written by an evangelist, uh, Jim Lyons. And on the back, he had a spot. This track was given by, and a blank there was there for you to write your name. You know, our church had some other tracks that didn't have a spot for you to write your name. I grabbed those tracks, and I put my name on all of them. And I took those back into the public school. Uh, I'd pass them out to my friends. I'd put them, well, I didn't have many friends after a while. Uh, But I started putting them in the lockers. I started inviting people to church. I started telling people about the Savior. They would invite me to a party. They'd invite me to a dance. And I'd start inviting them to church. Pretty soon they stopped inviting me. But you know what? I realized that there was a place called hell. And I had the opportunity to see several of my friends get saved and accept Christ as their personal Savior. Uh, There needs to be an understanding. No matter where you're at, if you're a teenager, if you're a college student, if you're, you're a young person, you're an older person, the world, your world, the people that are in your sphere of influence, the people you come in contact with, God wants you to see them as a never dying soul. He wants you to see them as someone who has the uh, potential of being passed from death unto life. Death to life. Are you saved this morning? Do you know that you're on your way to heaven? If you know that, don't you want somebody else to know that? Has God been good to you? I mean, my life is so blessed. I look back and I see where I was at and the path that I was on and the direction that I was headed and I see what the Lord has done. It is not because of me. It is definitely not because of my IQ. It is because there is a gracious God who loves us and he has given us a life to live and he has given us his word to follow. And with that, he shows us how we can have him as our Savior 
Savior. And once we choose him as our Savior, he'll also direct our path. This is the way, walk ye in it. And you know what? When we walk in the ways of the Lord, we win. We win. It's a blessing to be saved. And with that, we need to be a part of the mission of getting other people saved. Why do we run our buses? Brother, brother, uh, uh, brother, uh, uh, brother Harrison, uh, he, Brother Roy, he was getting ready to get his license and uh, another driver. Why do, why do we have our buses and why do we have our, our jail ministry and why do we have missionaries and why do we have a Christian school and why do we have Sunday school and all the different things that we're doing? Why do we have people going into the care homes every week? You know why? Because there's a place called hell. That's why. And there's a savior that came to forgive sins. He died to pay that sin debt so people would not have to go to hell so they could go to heaven. And he wants us to be a part of that mission. You see, we see a prayer from hell a prayer that is there. Uh, he cried, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus. Uh, this, this dialogue that is, uh, had been going on between the Pharisees and the Lord, and they had accepted the Lord, but they, uh, they, had re- or they had accepted the law, but they had rejected the Lord. And the Lord now is giving this instruction. And as he does so, we see this dialogue that goes on between Father Abraham, the law, the prophets. And we see that request to send Lazarus, uh, Lazarus here. He thought he deserved mercy. But when judgment day comes, no mercy is given. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. We have right now this rich man who had everything the world had to offer had nothing when he stepped into eternity. Missions. Why missions? Because there's people that are going to hell. So we see this prayer A prayer from hell, a prayer, number one, for mercy, a prayer, number two, for a messenger. A prayer for a messenger. Look again, Luke 16, 27. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And let me tell you, uh, those that reject Christ and say, you know what, when I, when I die, I'm going to go to hell and I'm going to party with all my friends. When you die and go to hell, if you go to hell, you won't want anybody to go with you. You won't want anybody else to come to this place of torment. And you know what? The prayer that went up when he realized that mercy was not coming to him, that that judgment had already been determined, he is now praying for a messenger. He's praying for a messenger, somebody that'll go to his brothers. He said, I have five brothers I don't want them to come to hell. Uh, I don't want them to die and come to this place of torment. Uh, Do you have a family member? If you're saved, do you have a family member that is lost? That should consume us. That should cause us to want to do whatever we can 
to get the gospel to them. Lazarus was asked, send Lazarus. You know, they, they thought, well, if a miracle would transpire, then, then his brothers would get saved. And the response came back, no, they have Moses and the prophets. They said, no, they've got a Bible. If they don't receive what God has already said, they won't, re- they won't receive it if one rose from the dead. You know, it doesn't take a miracle for somebody to get saved, but it's a miracle when somebody gets saved. It's a miracle. It's a miracle when somebody uh, accepts Christ as their Savior. And we see, uh, we see something here. We see an attitude in, in this rich man, send Lazarus. You know what? This rich man, he was used to telling people what to do. Guess what? He's not telling anybody what to do now. He had the ability to command and to direct and to guide, but now nobody is listening. You know, we've got one shot. We don't, we don't know that we have a tomorrow, but we have, we have a today. We have right now. And if, and if you're not, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, let me, let me beg you, get saved today. Get saved today. Accept the Lord. Uh, don't put it off. You say, well, pastor, other people in the church, they already think that I'm saved. Uh, I wouldn't let them cause me to go to hell. I'm not going to go to hell for anybody. What will people think? People are going to rejoice. How many of you are rejoice if somebody gets saved today? Absolutely. If somebody is not saved, uh, people that are saved are going to rejoice when somebody comes to the Savior. But let me tell you, this prayer for a messenger, if you're saved, you need to be that messenger. You need to be that messenger. We had a lady in our church up in Washington. Her name was Elfrida. Elfrida was probably one of the best soul winners that I had ever met. She ran a bus route, and week after week after week, uh, she would walk somebody down the aisle that she had won to Christ. Uh, And it was just, she was consumed uh, with getting people saved. Her mom was lost. And she came to me over and over again to pray for her mom, for her mom to get saved. And her mom would not listen to her. She knew how to win people to Christ. She was very proficient at it. Uh, and, and she was consumed with the gospel, yet she could not win her mom to Christ. And I told her, I said, Alfreda, you just win somebody else's mom to the Lord. You spend time doing everything that you can to, to win somebody else's mama and somebody else's brother and somebody else's sister. And you know what happened? Pretty soon her mama got saved. There's a prayer that comes from hell. Somebody go tell my brother. Somebody tell my grandma. Somebody tell my little little sister. No, we don't want sisters. No, just kidding. Somebody tell my friend about Christ. You see, there's a prayer for a messenger. 
And when we think about missions so often, we just think, well, if I put some money in an offering plate and we, we support a Caleb Turner and we support these other missionaries that are around the world, that I did my part. We did a part, but not all of it. We have people that God brings across our path. And you know what? Somebody in hell is praying that you'll win their brother to Christ. You'll, you'll tell them about Jesus. You'll tell them about the Savior. You'll tell them how they can go to heaven instead of going to a place of torment. And that prayer is going up. And I'm telling you that in hell today, there are still prayers going up that people that are in hell, that lost their opportunity, that rejected Christ, now that they've rejected him, they realize that he is the only way. And that prayer is going up. Send him. Send Lazarus. Lazarus made it into heaven. Have him tell my brother how they can be saved. Send someone uh, that, send anyone. Send a missionary. Send an emissary. Send a messenger. Send somebody who will carry out the mission. He said, for I have five brethren that they may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Hell's not going to be a party. It's a place of torment. Those that die without Christ spend eternity there. To do nothing with Christ is to reject Christ. So I'm not against Christ. If you've not accepted Christ, the Bible tells us that we are at enmity with him. We are the enemy of God until we accept him as our Savior. April 23rd, 1983. My parents went to church on a Sunday morning. My sister went with them. Uh, they had they had planned on going to church the week before, and I didn't want to go. Punk teenager uh, had no desire to go to church. And uh, pops, he was he was a man, and he said, "If I'm going, you're going. Everybody's going." And so we had we had knockdown drag out, and I lost, and uh, we went to church. We got to church, and we were five minutes late. Pops said, "I'm not walking into church late." He said, "We'll come back next week." My brother had already moved out of the house, and so we got home. I picked up the phone. I called my brother. He lived over in Gig Harbor. I said, hey, next weekend, I'm going to spend the weekend with you. Why? Just so I'd miss church. And so I spent that next weekend with him. I came home Sunday morning. Mom and dad and my sister, they were at church. So I'm sitting there watching TV, and about 1 o'clock, they walk in. That's about what time I'll probably finish this morning. And uh, about 1 o'clock, they walked in, and uh, uh, their hair was all wet. And I looked at them, and then I went back to watching TV. I didn't care. What happened? They stopped to go swimming on the way home from church. Who knows? Uh, they got saved. They got baptized that Sunday morning. About uh, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock rolled around. Back then, church started at 7. Uh, 6 o'clock rolled around, and Pop said, get ready. I said, for what? He said, we're going to church. I said, you already went to church. He said, we're going again. I said, you can go if you want to. I'm not going. And we had a knockdown drag out, and I lost. And we went to church. 
And we walked into church and I was sitting right about where Miss Lisa is sitting, maybe where Gary is sitting. And that preacher got up and he preached. I have no idea what he said. I was mad. I didn't want to be there. The end of that message, they had an invitation. The Air Force man walked up and grabbed me by the elbow. And he said, hey, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? You know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for people that are willing and sensitive to go and talk to other people during invitation. Because if he wouldn't have stopped and talked to me about that right then, I don't know that I would ever got saved. He asked me if I knew for sure I was going to heaven, and I didn't know. He said, can I show you? And he walked me down the aisle and bowed right at the altar, and he opened up his Bible and showed me, took me through the Romans road, showed me what God had to say about me going to heaven. And I prayed, and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. The Bible says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know, the life of a Christian is a glorious life. It doesn't mean that we're going to be rich. One day we will be. I'm an heir of the Father, joint heir of the Son, with the Son. But I accepted Christ. You're here today. You don't know. Accept him today. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't say, I'll, I'll do it another time. I got to think about it. You know what will happen is you'll walk out those doors and you won't think about it. Do something. You're either going to accept or you're going to reject. Don't reject the Savior. If you're saved this morning, don't miss the opportunities to share the gospel. Don't miss the opportunities to help somebody else come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father, I do thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for being a God who not only uh, has created us and given us life, but you're a God who has provided the way for a life everlasting, and I thank you for that. Now this morning, I do pray that you'd work in hearts. Uh, for those that are saved, I pray that they will recognize their part uh, in, in this mission of sharing the gospel. But for those who are unsure of their eternal destiny, or they know that they're not saved, I pray today that they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and you're here this